Hello, people that listen to this podcast. I'm sat in a cupboard. It's the glamour of working from home. Um, I have done this episode before, and I have edited it, and I have finished it, and I'd spend many, many hours on it, and um, and then it got lost. <laughs> Ironically, I started this episode last time I did it by saying that I had learned my lesson from the episode with Simone because they always say you should never stop rolling when you're still talking to your interviewee because that's when the good conversation happens once the interview is over. And I thought I was better than that advice, you know. I thought, well, we're done now anyway, let's just stop recording. And that's what I did, and that's when the good conversation happened. So I've learned that lesson, I'm not going to do that next time. And as I was recording that, you know, obviously we all know what happened to that episode where I said that. (laughs) And that's teaching me a lesson to always have a backup, even when you think you don't need one, because you're better than that, Anne Klein. So um, thanks for joining me again. I will try and make this as fresh as I can, Um, but I'm still really thrilled about this episode, so let's just get started. Hi, and welcome to my goddamn quest for happiness. I am Anne Klein, actor, comedian and life coach. Okay, sure. This podcast is all about happiness. What makes us happy? What makes some people happier than others? And why can't I get it? I've been reading a lot of books. I've been talking to many, many people, watching lots of YouTube videos, rabbit hole, and I have discovered a few things and I would love to share just that with you. Okay. Here we go then for our second attempt. This week's episode is no longer with an interviewee. It's back to a topic that I will be talking about in length. Actually, I have made the decision to um, divide this one up into two. So I want to make them slightly shorter and therefore have two weeks um, talking about this. I found it quite interesting, which is a first because most things I've spoken about I was not excited about at all. (laughs) Okay, well... um, This is about ways in which our mind works that tricks us a little, that is not useful. This is something I have learned while I was training for coaching. And it's something that you use in a coaching conversation, but it's borrowed from NLP. NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is a type of therapy where they try and change the way you speak in order to change the way you feel about something. And I'm gonna level with you. I have had this type of therapy. Um, I went back for about, I think, 24 weeks. And I'm just gonna be honest and say it didn't work for me. I I couldn't quite get my head around it because it would be like if I say oh I feel ugly I am ugly and then they would go okay so what is something else you could say instead and I'd be like okay I think they want me to say I am beautiful <laughs> and they'd go like yeah so what would it be like if you said I am beautiful instead of I am ugly and it just didn't make any sense to me because I still didn't believe I was beautiful so just I feel like just substituting some words for others is not really useful, um, but that might have just been the lack of the therapist I was working with. It might not be NLP, because I feel like you still need to kind of work with the underlying beliefs. But I'm digest I'm I'm digesting. I'm digesting. I'm just at lunch. It's not even true. Um I'm digressing is what I was looking for. Um But so NLP has its limits, in my opinion, but it depends on the person because I really know some people who it works really, really well for. But this is something 
this specific tool I am going to be talking about, I find really useful because I think it applies to everyone. Most of us use these things in our language in every day and we think it's just a matter of speech. We don't realize it actually affects how we feel about certain things. So being able to notice when we use those patterns and actually like questioning it can really help us feel very differently about a situation. It shall all become clearer in the second once I have explained the actual thing, but I just needed to have a little precursor to it all to uh, have a little disclaimer. A little explanation of what we're about to see. So it is words, it's expressions, it's ways of speaking that we apply in our day-to-day lives to a language and it makes us feel badly about something. Um, (laughs) So there's different categories. There's deletions, distortions and generalizations. Those different Um, categories to describe certain patterns that we use and the titles for these change depending on what what system you're working with. NLP has different titles for most of these than we do in coaching Um, but I think you can just make up your own categories and I think they don't actually matter, it's just for ease of understanding what we're talking about. Just to give you an example of how this entire thing works, I once had a client in coaching. He said to me, everyone is disappointed in me. And, you know, most likely everyone is not disappointed in anybody ever because everyone doesn't know you exist. But so I asked him, who is everyone? And we went, we started talking about it and it turned out that everyone was just his mum and his dad. And I said, is there anybody else? And he said, no, it's just, just them. Two people. So everyone is two people. And it actually made him laugh realizing this because he had really started feeling like it was everyone, which is a lot of weight to carry around when everyone is disappointed in you. Even though it's just a matter of speech saying everyone, if you start internalizing that and you hear what you say, you start feeling everyone is disappointed in me. It's unbearable. And then suddenly realizing, okay, hang on, everyone is actually just two people and there's a lot of people still that aren't disappointed in me. That changes the way you feel about it and it makes it all a lot more manageable. And even later in the conversation, it turned out that even those two people weren't actually disappointed in him. It was very different emotions that were happening there. And this is what I'm speaking about. So these kinds of patterns in talking that make us feel a certain way about something that's actually distorting reality. That is what we'll be untangling in today's episode and next episode. So today category is distortions. And the first distortion is something that they call mind reading. And I am definitely guilty of this mind reading. Mind reading is what it says on the tin. It's when you think you know what other people think. Whoa, how could anybody ever know what someone else thinks? You know, when we talk about it objectively, we all know that no one can read minds. At least I think we hope that no one can read minds. Uh, If you're anything like me, sometimes you're worried that people might be able to read your mind. But okay, but um, so... Technically, we know this for a fact. No one can read minds. But we do often think we, we can. We often say, he thinks I'm stupid or whatever. And that is mind reading because how do you know he thinks you're stupid? Unless he's definitely said, you are stupid, which many people don't say. You know, what are you basing that on? You are reading people's uh, body language, their facial expressions, what they say, and you interpret it as them thinking you're stupid. But that is not a fact. And we often take it for a fact. This is something that 
I do a lot and I've definitely spoken to many people that have this issue and there's a tendency in people who might have grown up with parents or caregivers, caretakers, caregivers, I don't know, you know what I mean, um, who might have had an addiction or who might not have very stable mental health. Um, children who grow up in those surroundings tend to microanalyze every reaction, every facial expression, every bit of body language to try and see if there might be a change in their mood. Because if, if your parent from one second to the next changes mood and can be happy the one second and then all of a sudden just be really mad and yell at you and maybe even hit you or whatever, like you start learning as a child that you need to understand your parent's behaviors and moods in order to protect yourself and it's really healthy useful behavior as a child well not healthy but it's useful behavior as a child because it protects you um the issue is when you grow up and you you hold on to that behavior because you still think you can read what other people are thinking when you're older but you cannot and it's no longer protecting you it's actually a problem it becomes a problem because People think about so many things in every millisecond. If you're telling them something and you notice something on their face change, like narrowing their eyebrows or whatever, and you go, okay, this person now thinks I've said something silly. But they might just have been thinking about whether or not they've left the hob on. So more often than not, if you were to ask them what they just thought that made them change their facial expression like that, they wouldn't know. Because there's so many things happening in your mind at any given time that can affect in micro changes your facial expression, your body language, whatever. And it has no it has no reflection on reality. It doesn't actually change how they feel about the situation, but it changes how you suddenly perceive the situation. And you take it to be about you. And people don't think about you nearly as much as you think they do, okay? <laughs> Get this in your heads, all right? So it's no longer useful to be to be functioning in that way once you're an adult because you always interpret these things as being against you and it's really bad for your self-esteem and it's really bad for relationships and communication. So try and let that go. If you recognize yourself in this, try and let it go. I know me saying this is not going to make you let it go, <laughs> but if you can um, actually start to notice this behavior in yourself, like whenever you make a claim like that, he thinks or but you look like or I know what you thought or blah 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 the second you think you know what someone else is thinking you're in trouble so if you can make yourself notice those moments and go actually what evidence do I have for this it might help you get out of that cycle so you're welcome the next pattern I'd like to talk about is something called cause and effect, which is when you say something like, if so-and-so, then so-and-so. So if I leave my job, I will end up on the streets. You take this as a given, you take this as truth, you take these two things as linked, but the only thing you know for sure is you leave your job. You can't know what happens afterwards, but we often say this so much to ourselves that we start believing that that's a fact and we can't know this for sure. We cannot see into the future. Not yet, at least. I can't. If you can, please give me a call. I would love to hear what the future's got in store for me. Um, but we can't know that. And we have to be really careful when we start talking like that because we start believing ourselves. 
Oh my god, stop believing yourself when you say those things. Um, but we do this a lot in day to day, right? We, we we make claims like that as if we knew what was going to happen if we take some kind of action. And you can never know. And there's lots of things you can do to change that outcome. Like even if you know that, okay, if you leave your job, there's a good chance you're not going to get a job. Are there things you could do to change that outcome? And most likely there are. Like if you say, oh, if if I eat that, slice a cake that I'm gonna become overweight. What? Okay, there's a lot of steps between those two things. So already you can dissect, does eat me eating that slice of cake really mean I'm gonna weigh more, right? And you can go down that route and go, what could I do to prevent that? And how many times have I eaten cake and it has not had an effect on my weight? And so on and so on. And then you can go, well, if I did weigh more, if I did become overweight, would that be the end of the world? Probably not. One, are there things I can do then to change that? And two, won't I still feel pretty happy with myself? Isn't life still going to be pretty good? Like, just actually questioning the claims we make and seeing what lies behind that is really useful for something to not feel quite so heavy and like it's the end of the story, right? So becoming becoming aware of the patterns is the name of the game. And then there's something called equaling. Equaling. What is equaling? Equaling is when you um think one thing means another thing. Uh, There's a lot of overlap between these different patterns, but uh, you know it's good to talk about them in a bit of detail just to understand a bit more. You know, just to get different ideas coming at it from different angles. Okay, so equaling is, for example, if you say. You always come home from work late. Now I know you don't like spending time with me. So you think one thing equals another. What you know for a fact is this person comes home from work late. But does that really mean they don't want to spend time with you? You've added something on top of this. And if you do this, one, you make yourself unhappy because you believe something that is quite heavy and sad and two you can't you can't find out what the truth is if that person was then to tell you what really happened you already wouldn't believe them because you've created your own reality you've created your own truth and you take as evidence the fact that they don't come home but those two things are not necessarily linked they could constantly be coming home late because maybe they feel like they're annoying you and they're scared of coming home, and they would love to spend some time with you, but they're afraid you don't want to spend time with them. You know, it could be the opposite. Or it could be their boss is becoming really hard on them, and they uh, they know if I don't work extra hours, I will lose my job, and then my my partner will be disappointed in me which also again is equaling uh, or is an if then so careful with that but they might have that going on for them you know and they want to want to make sure that they can provide for you and that's why they stay extra long and you know and you've made all these um, conclusions already for yourself and then you can't hear what they say because you're so certain that you are correct because one means the other and there's no other option right? Has this ever happened to you? It's never happened to me because I am perfect. <laughs> okay. And then there's two more patterns that I have in this category. And one is hidden assumptions. And I think hidden assumptions are probably at play in all of these other patterns that I've just spoken about. Hidden assumption just means you assume something is true, but that's not a given. You, you have hidden assumptions for all of the, the patterns we've just spoken about. Otherwise, that wouldn't, wouldn't be... Um, the case. 
I'm so eloquent. But often they are even hidden from ourselves. We don't know we assume something. It's just we believe that that's the truth. So we never question it. Here's an interesting one. I, I've spoken about Dr. Alan Langer quite a few times. I'm fascinated with her work at the moment. And I will make an episode about her at one point, definitely. But she, for example, says, we we think, like, we don't, we stop question certain, questioning certain things. For example, we think one plus one equals two. And that's a given. And this is something we've been taught in school, sure, but it's also a hidden assumption that is not always true. And we stop questioning things and then we stop seeing certain realities. For example, I I really struggled with this. I thought, when is one and one not two? Unless you're like really into maths and you have all these complicated things. But actually, in real life, one and one often is not two. Let's take uh, chewing gum. Let's say you have one piece of chewing gum in your mouth and you're chewing on it. And you take another piece of chewing gum. That's one and one. You put it in your mouth. You start chewing on it. It's still one. It's just a bigger piece of chewing gum now. And that's interesting. That's one and one equals one. And we are not taught this. Oh my gosh, I'm so passionate about this. (laughs) We are not taught this in school. We are not taught to question things. And this is actually an interesting example because this is one that we actually really take for a fact because it's scientifically what we use. You know, it's what we're taught in school. This is really one we we probably wouldn't question. But we do this with much lesser things. Like, I assume if you knew how I felt, you would stop doing what you're doing right? This is a hidden assumption. So I'm assuming the fact that you're still doing what you're doing means you you can't know how I feel. And we don't question these beliefs. And that's tricky, right? This is the same as the ones before, but just questioning that, going like, how do I know he doesn't know how I feel? How do I know if he knew how I felt he would stop? What other reasons could there be for him doing what he's doing? And so on and so on and so on. So there's always ways to question things. And it's actually quite exciting when you go through life questioning things because it brings creativity back out. You don't take everything as a given and and you can find lots of playful ways of looking at things. But most importantly, it really helps you get out of ruts where you get really upset about something because you've assumed something, you are equaling things, you are seeing something as cause and effect and you think you can read someone else's mind and it's really causing you trouble and it's making you upset and there might be no reason for that. And it's just because of how we use language that it affects us seeing it as truth. And then the last one is a, I, th- I would say, a compound of all of these, which is catastrophe. <laughs> no, I don't know how to pronounce that word. I've tried it so many times. Catastrophization. <laughs> is that right? Well, you think something is a catastrophe and there is no way out. Like, uh, I've lost my job. That's it. There's no more chance for me. My life is over. There's nothing I can do. My life is ruined. Or this person has left me. My life is over. Uh, Or if I go out, then um, uh, someone's going to shoot me and I will die. And my my family is going to end up in ruins. And, uh, you know, everything is going to go to shit. And it's just when you spiral down this spiral of, of thoughts where it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And you cannot see a way out of it. And... This is obviously all based on equaling hidden assumptions, mind reading, all of those things come into play in 
catastrophization <laughs> in that thing. <laughs> and it's really important at that time to find some way of getting yourself out of that loop, right? Because it is not based in truth. It is the way we speak to ourselves. It is the assumptions we have. And it is not reality. There's no evidence that that's going to going to happen. And as we've seen in past episodes, we always have a lot of influence on how our reality is going to turn out. So to think we know how something is going to work out, and especially we know it's going to end badly, it's not true. We do have control and sometimes we can feel like we don't. And especially if we don't question the way we talk, we lose control over it. We, we, are, we just become a victim of our thoughts. <sighs> and for president... Man, am I passionate about this. I didn't realize. But okay, so this one is is potentially a bit tricky to do on your own. It's often useful to have someone else point this out to you or have a coach who can question those things because we have often internalized these so much and take them as truth so much that we don't even realize anymore it's not fact. It's just belief. It's just language. So actually maybe finding like a partner, like buddying up with someone and saying, hey, can you help me? And there's a few things that I would like you to pay attention to. I tend to mind read a lot or whatever, or I tend to equal a lot. And if you notice me in conversation, do that. Can you point it out to me? Just so I start noticing when I do it. Please don't do this when you're having a fight. <laughs> Uh, it's quite <laughs> it can be quite upsetting to have someone point out to you that you're uh, making assumptions when because you feel very strongly about it you go no this is a fact so if during a fight someone else goes see you're doing it again it's probably not useful so try and do this point this out to your friend when you're having a light-hearted conversation and maybe not every time it's really exhausting but you can make a little game out of it maybe do a bingo maybe have like a nine by nine no that's not it three by three uh, thingamajig where you like <laughs> we have boxes with different names of patterns or words or whatever in there and then when your friend says it you just cross it and the person who has a row full first gets to bingo <laughs> oh my god I'm such a grandma but you know I don't know create your own game I don't really have an exercise for you for these episodes because the entire episode is an exercise but yeah, if you, if you want to try it out, like maybe put write the words out and put them on your mirror just to see them every morning and, and remind yourself what are the traps you tend to fall into a lot and, and start noticing in your day-to-day -day how often you do it and how it affects how you feel about something. Yeah, that's that. I do it quite a lot, these things. I'm going to stop doing them now forever and ever I'm gonna be perfect I'm gonna be happy forever I am terribly sorry for singing anyway thanks so much for coming back for another episode if you want to hear more about these patterns that we have I promise you the next ones are really interesting as well as well uh, I've not spoken about the one where you say everyone which is I believe a generalization but some people would say it's a deletion anyway it doesn't matter what category it is nobody cares I'm stopped talking about that but um, they're really interesting and we do them a lot I personally do them a lot for example should we say should all the time and it's quite interesting what that does to us so um, stay tuned for more or come back next week when I tell you how I told my sister-in-law about the shoulds and she pointed out to me how many times I've said this myself. Oh my God, it's thrilling. I wonder how this ends. Oh my God, it's so fascinating. It's like the bachelorette. Oh 
Gosh. Annie Hoops, thanks so much for, for joining me. Let me know if this was interesting for you. Let me know what you notice about your own mind patterns. Follow me on Instagram at Goddamn Happiness Pod. Follow me on Facebook, my Goddamn Quest for Happiness. And check out aldo.lu for more information, all the episodes and whatever. Thanks again for coming. Share this with your friends. Share some stuff with me. I'm terribly lonely. Please message me and uh, come back next time for the continuation of. Oh,